0: Today we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, a continuation from chapter 10 of coming against those that have risen up against Paul and his ministry and his apostleship to the church at Corinth. These are probably local men. This is not in the context of Barnabas or Apollos or anyone of that nature that Paul has ministered with. Previously, in the book of Acts and in different letters that we see them ministering together, these are probably Jewish background believers in the city of Corinth, local individuals that are trying to gain some type of foothold of authority within that church. It's a spiritual battle. We see that from chapter 10. That same spiritual battle is going to continue as we look at chapter 11. Let's start in reading the first six verses. Today I have my wife, Laura, with me. We also have Alan, who is with me all the time, most of the time, that's in the studio. And we're going to look at this together. And and remember, original intent, what it meant is what it means for us today. So I am not approaching this, what does this mean for me right now? First, I want to understand what it meant, what God was speaking through Paul to the Corinthian church— and when I understand what it meant, then I can understand what it means for me today. And I can apply it to my life. And so that's what we're going to attempt to do in chapter 11. Let's read the first six verses. And Alan, if you don't mind reading these six verses for us.
1: Sure. Second
0: Corinthians. Chapter 11, verse 1. I wish that you would bear with me in a little
1: foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid that, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. For I consider myself not in the least inferior to the most eminent apostles. But even if I am unskilled in speech, yet I am not so in knowledge. In fact, in every way we have made this evident to you in all things."
0: So when we look at verse 1, we see this sarcasm that sometimes that Paul writes with as he's writing as part of his personality, and it's important for us to remember that God uses us and our personalities, and Paul is a unique individual. Think about the Psalms, we were wonderfully and fearfully created by God. Every person is different. Every person has their uniqueness. And here Paul is a driven individual, very aggressive in his boldness for the gospel, and at times he uses sarcasm. And you see this in verse 1, I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness. What I believe that he is saying, we're going to start walking down a road that these men, these false apostles, are taking us right now, and we're going to battle, but bear with me in this foolishness, because sometimes in order to dialogue with the situation, you have to be able to speak to what they are accusing you of or how they are attacking you. Bear with me with a little foolishness. He reminds them that it was he that betrothed them to Christ, We are in a relationship, a covenant relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the bride of Christ. He is the head. And he's reminding them that he brought them as pure virgins to the Messiah. And what I believe that is saying is that with a pure gospel— that they were not persuaded by the wisdom of man, but by the power of God. If you go back to the first letter and you see that he was with them in fear and with trembling, but that it was the Spirit of God that brought them to Christ and the forgiveness of sins and changed them from the inside out. It was the pure gospel he determined to know nothing among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He reminds them of their beginning. Verse 3, he says, But I am afraid. Now he is afraid, and this is a deep concern within Paul, that they're going to lose out and be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And we have people that listen to us that come from a Reformed background, a Calvinist background, come from a background that once you're saved, you're always saved. And these are just words in which are not really meant to be understood literally. But this is Paul that is literally afraid that the believers at Corinth could be led astray by these men. We see that in the Old Covenant, we see this in the New Covenant, how people are in a covenant relationship with God, and that we have a decision to make, we have a faith that lives within inside of us, and it must stay pure, and it must stay holy, it must be something that is relevant every single day, and we can be led astray. Paul is not just saying this to say it, he is deeply concerned about the Corinthians, that they could be led astray. He's not playing games with us. This is a spiritual battle that we face many times, really every day. We're to deny ourselves, take up our own cross, and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are things that can get a hold of our lives. There are philosophies. There are people that can come into our lives. There are things that can enslave us again. Think about what Paul's going to say later to Timothy about some longing for money have wandered away from the faith. The whole letter to the Hebrews is about apostasy, about Jewish background believers that are being tempted to go back into the old covenant and their identity with God and abandon the new covenant. So, yes, he is afraid. I don't think it's an ungodly fear, it's a godly fear and concern that we're going to see later that daily is with him concern about the churches. That keeps him praying, and he's concerned about them. This is a godly concern that they could be led astray by these false apostles, and he's going to name them false apostles later on.
2: I had a question. We often think of the Corinthians as very immature in their faith. What would you say the difference between being like a pure virgin but also being mature?
0: Well, I think when you look at verse 2, he's going back to their beginning. And what we're dealing with now is many years later, that we're looking that they should have been eating meat, but they're still drinking milk. This is in the first letter he writes to them, First Corinthians. What I think he's expressing in verse two for I am jealous of you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband. He's going back to the beginning of how he brought them with the simplicity and purity of the gospel and devotion to Christ. That was their beginning. From that time on, they should have been growing, but there were issues within this community of faith that kept stagnating their growth. And in that first letter, you see all types of problems that have developed. Factions, divisions, immorality, the spiritual gifts that are not operating in the right way, abuse of the Lord's Supper, and we can go on and on, not understanding the weaker brother in the faith and putting them first instead of ourselves, lawsuits that were taking place within the church between one brother and another brother. So this is what is happening, but in verse 2, I think it is speaking to their very beginning. Verse 3 But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Yes, he's concerned. They could be led astray. Just like Adam and Eve, Eve was led astray, was tempted, and then Adam was tempted by Eve, that this is a process that can happen to Corinth as well. Verse 4, For if one comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit, and I think that's critical as we look at their beginning, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. He is saying they're being pulled into this. He recognizes this by some. Now, if we go back to the beginning of this letter, the majority stood with Paul. And I believe a lot of this is going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And the whole situation of kicking the man out of the church, the majority stood with him. And since that time, there have been men that have risen up that have been attacking Paul and coming against him. They have accepted some of these men And it's a different spirit and a different gospel, and it's not the same Jesus that Paul and the others preached to them in the beginning. Now, this sounds just like the letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians. It's a different context, but it's a different spirit that's coming in, a different gospel. It is something that some of them are accepting easily. It's interesting to see this
1: too, Scott, when you talk about Paul and his sarcasm and it's almost, you can feel this frustration sort of comes out in this chapter. And in, in later verses, you'll see him make some sort of sly comments and, and sarcastic remarks. But when you look at that frustration, when you look at these two verses three and four, it's really because he's worried about them being led astray. And there is that deep concern. So it's not a frustration of Paul just upset with these other people that we can assume are attacking him from Corinth, he almost could care less about that, I think. And it's really what his concern is, is that they're starting to lead a group inside of Corinth astray. And he's saying, you bear this beautifully. You, you just go and accept it. And it's amazing how, how much you're responding to that. It's something that he didn't preach. So all of this sort of angst and things that he's addressing in just about three whole chapters in 2 Corinthians, but it really goes, to me, goes back to that, that he's this fear. They are starting to get led astray, and this is something that keeps him up at night. And he's starting to get really frustrated about it, frustrated because he doesn't want to see it, not because he cares or thinks what these other people say about it.
0: Yes, because he knows that their salvation is at stake here. And people need to understand this. He is saying, I am afraid that you are going to be led astray. And then when you look in verse 4 you get the sense that some of them have. Whatever is going on, this is a different gospel. There is a different spirit. It is coming from a Jewish background community of believers or men. We're going to see that later on. That may be trying to lord the authority of who they are over them, but they're wanting to bring them under submission to their authority. And they have a different gospel, and there's a different spirit that is involved. Verse 5, for I consider myself not in the least inferior to the super apostles or to the most eminent apostles. So there could have been an attack against Paul by these men saying, Paul, he's not one of the 12. He's not like the other apostles that we see at the beginning of chapter 1 of the first letter that some say that I am of Cephas, of Paul. And we see that maybe they don't consider him on the same level as the most eminent apostles, these super apostles. I don't think they're talking about themselves. I think they're talking about, well, Paul, he's not like Peter. He is not like John. He's not like the eminent apostles. He's inferior. He said, no, I don't consider myself in that category. Verse 6, but even if I am unskilled in speech, again, they're attacking him. They're attacking his speech. They are attacking, like we talked about last time, his physical appearance. They're attacking him by saying he's bold when he writes, but he's meek when he's here in person. But even if I am unskilled in speech, Paul is saying that about himself. He understands he's not a great preacher. He's not a great teacher. You would probably not invite him to your church for a conference because he's not going to get the people excited about his oratory skills. That's not the, it's not an entertainment business. I want people to understand that it is not about bringing in someone that will entertain you and you leave that place saying, oh, that was a great message. This about truth. Even if I am unskilled in speech, yet I am not so in knowledge. I know what I'm talking about. I'm bringing the truth to you. In fact, in every way, we have made this evident to you in all things in life and what we're saying, we're bringing you the truth. And again, I want to say what is important that whoever shares God's word with us is bringing truth. It's not about entertaining someone. It's not about someone having great skills in speech. It's about bringing God's word and the truth. And Paul is reminding them, even if I'm unskilled in speech, I brought you the truth. Now, let's go to the next few verses, and let's read verses 7 through 10. And Laura, could you read these verses?
2: Yes. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted Because I preached the gospel of God to you without charge, I robbed other churches by taking wages from them to serve you. And when I was present with you and was in need, I was not a burden to anyone. For when the brethren came from Macedonia, they fully supplied my need. And in everything, I kept myself from being a burden to you and will continue to do so. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be stopped in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do.
0: And you read verse 11 as well, and that's great because that continues the thought. He is talking about the determination on his part when he came to Corinth not to put a physical, financial burden upon the Corinthians. It was a great testimony for Corinth and the whole region of Achaia, which is southern Greece. I did not commit a sin in humbling myself so that you may be exalted. He lowered himself, did not ask of them of money and things like that so that he could put them first, because I preached the gospel of God to you without charge." he humbled himself, he exalted them, he did not put a burden to them, he did not want any accusation of fraud or anyone to come up within that city. Well, this man is doing this because he wants to earn money off of you. So what did he do? He allowed other churches to support him. He uses strong terminology. He says, I robbed other churches by taking wages for them to serve you. Here we're seeing a missionary endeavor. We're seeing other churches from Macedonia that are getting involved and sending money to him to support him so that he doesn't have to ask money of the Corinthians. Now, the church at Philippi that is from Macedonia, we see from his letter later on was a church in numerous times provided for Paul financially. So he could be referring to the church at Philippi. And in verse nine, he says, and when I was present with you, and was in need i was not a burden to anyone for when the brethren came from macedonia they fully supplied my need and in everything i kept myself from being a burden to you and i will continue to do so now some ministers today they look at the whole aspect of giving or taking up offerings they're saying it in this way i'm taking up an offering so that you can be blessed when we look back at what Paul writes to the Philippians, he does bring out that aspect. I'm not rejoicing over the gift. I'm rejoicing over what God is doing in your life, the church at Philippi, by this gift. Here in Corinth, what he is focusing upon is not being a burden to them so there could not be an accusation of the motives of Paul and his team, of why they're ministering. And this must be coming from some of these leaders that are trying to take control, that are accusing Paul of these things. And it might have gone all the way back to the very beginning. As we look at the development of this church, that Paul did not take money from them. He must have sensed that there could have been a problem there, and so he took from Macedonia and Philippi, which is probably the main church there, giving this offering, and he is saying, I shouldn't have taken from them. I robbed them in order to exalt you and humble myself in order to bring the gospel without charge to you. So there could have been men that are looking for an opportunity to attack Paul. And and let me say this, Alan, by attacking Paul, they are attacking the gospel.
1: Yeah, and I was going to say, Scott, it seems a little bit, and like he's almost inferring like maybe some of these men or these leaders are... trying to get financial gain from the church at Corinth and he's sort of calling them out indirectly and I'm not sure if you see that too maybe that next verse it kind of speaks to that but he's almost countering what they're doing and say I didn't I didn't even take anything I was provided I didn't wasn't a burden on you or you can almost see these other leaders are saying you know I'm I'm the leader I'm in charge you have to give to me you have to provide I'm doing this yes
0: Remember, these individuals have a different spirit. They have a different gospel. Later on, we're going to see where they're physically abusive. So I definitely agree with that. They could be putting the emphasis that we are your leaders. You need to give to us. But Paul never required of them to support what he was doing. The churches in Macedonia had supplied his need. They gave him the freedom. To minister at Corinth. And he says in verse 10, in verse 10, as the truth of Christ is in me, the boasting of mine will not be stopped in the regions of Achaia. So he is saying, in this whole region, we are doing this by others supporting this, and we are not taking the offering. We're not going to give an accusation to these men. It's not just an issue of Corinth, it's about the whole region of Achaia the southern region of Greece. And then he says, why? Because I do not love you, God knows I do. What he is doing, why he is doing this is because of his love for God and his love for the believers. There's a different spirit between Paul and these other men. There's a different gospel that Paul is presenting than these other men, so I agree with you fully, Alan. This is probably men trying to take control, probably wanting a financial gain from their leadership, and they're coming against Paul. And in chapters eight and nine, these men are coming against an offering that is not for Paul but for the Jewish believers back in Jerusalem. And you can see the undertones of how that maybe they're coming against him for this offering. Now let's read verse twelve but what I am doing I will continue to do so that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the matter about which they are boasting. What Paul is saying, we're going to continue down this path. We're not going to put a financial burden upon you. We're going to preach this gospel in a way that not anyone can take advantage of that, or let me say it in this way, that anyone can bring an accusation against us. And by doing this, they are making clarity to the Corinthians who represents God, who represents the gospel, and who is ministering in the right spirit. Verse 13, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workers disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. These men do not represent God at all, do not represent his Messiah, and they are false within the church at Corinth. We've got to understand that there were individuals that were wolves in sheep's clothing Jesus warns about this. We see this all the way through the Tanakh, the Old Covenant. We see it in the New Covenant. We see it in John's writings. We see it in Peter's writings. We see it in Paul's writings. There will always be individuals that say they represent Christ, but they actually have different motives and they have a different gospel. So Paul's coming, not charging them anything, which is saying these men are trying to lord authority over them to try to be apostles and to take advantage of the Corinthians. And some of them are allowing this to take place. Verse 14, no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness whose end will be according to their deeds. If Satan is an angel of light, then those that are being bound by him and influenced by Satan himself and demonic powers, they will come not looking evil. They will look as if they're presenting truth But you have to see the spirit behind it. You have to understand what is going on inside of them. You have to be able to look at things through God's word. And Paul is always bringing the Corinthians back to their beginning. How the spirit of God brought them to the truth of the gospel. How they were developed by God's word. And now when something that doesn't represent God comes into the picture, it may look like light. But it's really darkness, and they have to recognize it.
2: Do you think the end of verse 15, where it says they will be known according to their deeds, speaks to the fruit of the Spirit?
0: I think so, but I think we're still in the context of money here. And the fruit of their deeds, that they will see these men are trying to take advantage of them. They're trying to get money from them. They're trying to be superior to Paul, who was the founder of this church. And so they're trying to uplift themselves. They're always putting Paul down. He doesn't speak well. He's not physically impressive, is hypocritical. He writes things very boldly, but he's meek when he's with us. So there's a different spirit with these men, and they are self-centered, and a person that is self-centered, you will see their deeds in the future. Yes, of course, it's about the fruit of the Spirit. And these men, they should be able to see, are not demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit, but they're demonstrating self-centeredness.
1: I really like how Paul sort of addresses this. You don't see him name names, and I think, forget the other, other letter where he names some names of people that you know, really went against him. But here he's sort of saying what he's doing. Um, he's not necessarily attacking these men individually um, or people individually. He's really coming against their spirit and against you know, the heart of what they're doing. And I think that's just a great discernment lesson that we can see here, that, that these other false apostles, false teachers were really just coming against Paul. He's this, he's that, he's this, accusing him and not really concerned about the gospel, not concerned about the Corinthians, more concerned about their self. And you know, that's, I think that's a great lesson when you see someone just constantly attacking someone else, constantly going against another leader, another person in the body of Christ, you know, you have to take a step back and say, what is this person doing? What are their motives? Are they doing this in love? Is this because they care about uh, me or care about the congregation? Or do they care about themselves and their motives more? And you see that in the Western church a lot, a lot of Politics and things that can go on, but that's not at all what paul's doing here he He has to address it, so he is, but it's out of love
0: yes, and it's to bring them back to their focus upon Christ, not upon him. These leaders want the focus upon them, and yes, Paul does not have any problem naming names here he is dealing with it in general that could be saying that there's a multitude of these people that are standing together against Paul. And they are asserting their authority. But Paul doesn't have problems of uh, using names, of calling people out. But here it's more in a general sense. But the focus for Paul is always upon Christ. If he's boasting, is boasting in order to bring them to Christ, to put their focus back upon Christ. And that's very important. Anything that takes your eyes off of Christ, who is the foundation, Who is the head of the body, the body of Christ? It is the body of Christ. Then that individual, that person is leading you down the wrong direction. Paul is always pointing them back to Christ. Verse 16 Again, I say, let no one think me foolish, but if you do, receive me even as foolish, so that I also may boast a little. So if we're gonna go down this road of dealing with these false apostles, and if you think I'm I'm foolish, okay, let's talk about it. You see this sarcasm that is coming out. And look at what he says here. Since many boast according to the flesh, I will boast also. Again, in general, talking about these false apostles who are boasting according to the flesh and putting Paul down according to the flesh. Yet Paul knows that this is a spiritual battle. He's not fighting with fist, Otherwise, he would lose this battle. But he's fighting a spiritual battle by going to prayer, fasting, relying upon God, because this is a spiritual battle. These men are boasting according to the flesh. So, hey, I'm going to boast a little bit. Let's go down this road. For you, being so wise, tolerate the foolish gladly. Sarcasm. For you tolerate it if anyone enslaves you anyone devours you, anyone takes advantage of you, anyone exalts himself, anyone hits you in the face. He is saying if these leaders, you talk about a different spirit, these leaders come and if you don't listen to them, some of them are falling into lying, but others, if they're not listening to them and they're questioning their authority, some of these guys are hitting them in the face. And so they want to physically dominate them spiritually. And this is not the way it should be. For you, being so wise, tolerate the foolish gladly. You, Corinthians, you think you have wisdom to those that are allowing this to take place. You're allowing people to hit you in the face. Has Paul ever done that? No. Has any of the other apostles ever done that? No. They saw the judgment of God come against Ananias and Sapphira, but that was God that struck them down dead, and they took them out. But physically, we don't see any of the followers of Jesus Christ doing something of this nature, but these false apostles are doing this. Verse 21, To my shame I must say that we have been weak by comparison. Comparison to what? Slapping them in the face, dominating them physically. You see the sarcasm. I love Paul's sarcasm. To my shame, I must say that we have been weak by comparison. But in whatever respect anyone else is bold, I speak in foolishness. I am just as bold myself. Let's go down this road. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. He's already called them false apostles. They have a different gospel, a different spirit. So I speak as if insane. I more so in far more labors and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. So by this time, this is A.D. 56, he has been a believer probably for 19, 20 years and his ministry uh, for the last 20 years. So by this time, by the Jews, he has been beaten. Five times from the Jews, he has received 39 lashes. Now these false apostles that he's dealing with in verse 22 have a Jewish background as well. And they may be saying to the Gentiles at Corinth, Gentile believers, we're Jewish believers, you have to listen to us, we have more authority. But remember in Paul's writings, we're all one in the Messiah. We are all one in Christ. And then when you get down to verse 24, five times I've received from the Jews 39 lashes. Remember, he would always go into the synagogues, and in the synagogues, there would come persecution against Paul. They wanted to keep him quiet, and so some of the persecution was coming from the synagogues against Paul. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers from false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, apart from such external things. There is the daily pressure on me concerning for all the churches. Who is weak without me being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? So these men are boasting about their physical appearance about their ability to speak in a way that Paul cannot speak, putting him down, saying, this is our background. We're Hebrews. We're Israelites. You need to listen to us. We're people of faith. We believe in Jesus as the Messiah, but you need to listen to us. And they are being physically abusive to keep these individuals, some of them, under their authority. But Paul is speaking about his weaknesses, Look for the last 20 years what he has gone through to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Look at his life. Look at what he has sacrificed. If you want to talk about his credentials, it's not in his physical appearance. It's in his dedication to the gospel. Do you see a different spirit, a different gospel that is going forth from Paul and these individuals? He is preaching to them what is truly important. Look at my life. Look at what I've sacrificed. It's not just external things. It's the internal things that daily I'm praying for you. Daily, I'm concerned about your spiritual welfare.
2: I love Paul's real pastor heart for the people. It's like a, a good father. Sometimes a good father doesn't address something at a certain time where he wouldn't take an offering at a certain time, although it's good to give. But he had such a heart for them. And even now, he's boasting out of a pastor's heart just to keep their attention, to try to bring them to truth.
0: Yes. And I believe there's sarcasm involved. He's boasting. Let me boast in my weaknesses because they're boasting and they're arrogant all right, you want to have some foolishness, let's go down this road. But if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in my weakness, in my weaknesses. And all of this is going to put the focus back on Christ because Paul is not fighting for them to follow him. He's fighting for them to follow me as I follow Christ, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's always his message. It's always about Christ. And he's not even wanting an offering from them. The offering that is being taken up is for the believers at Jerusalem, not for himself. And yes, he is doing this as a father with children, raising them up in the right way. Yes. And I would just as a side note, when Paul goes in talking about all these things he's
1: been through, and Scott, we've talked about this on on a couple other podcasts, but I mean, you see... Paul, who has stayed in God's will for this 19, 20 years, completely in His will, completing the work, doing the work that He's been called to do, and this is what He's gone through. You know, so you know, I always think about anyone that's that's called to ministry or thinks they're going into ministry. I mean, this is you know Paul the apostle, and the, you know probably the greatest writer of the New Testament. But this is what he's gone through in these past 20 years, and he's he's counted the cost. And he's done it. And now he sees that that he he can boast in these things. And I think you're right, there's some sarcasm there. But he also understands that he's proud of these. He knows that these hard things that he's gone through has made him who he is, that has given him the authority that he has to speak to the Corinthians now as a father, as a seasoned apostle, a seasoned missionary, a seasoned leader. Um, And he embraces those. And And I heard someone say it's almost, you know, some things you wouldn't want to go through again, but you wouldn't trade going through them, you know, and you can kind of see him saying that here where he doesn't want to probably get, you know, lashes again, but it's something that he probably wouldn't trade if he could say, would you go back and not do that? No, he embraced that, and he sees how powerful that was in his life.
0: Yes, and in a lot of ways, it's his credentials of what God has done in his life and the journey, the process of how God has protected him, kept him alive, and the gospel that has gone forth in such extreme circumstances. And I have to do this. I'm I going to give in to the temptation that if you put it in a contemporary setting, you have the prosperity teachers today. Look at me. Look at my house. Look at my car. Look at my private jet. Look at my clothes. Look at my physical appearance. Look how successful I am. Look at what I've done. God is with me, and you need to follow me. You need to listen to me because I have the principles that can get you where I am. Do you see the similarities? And here's this man that's been a shipwreck of a life, 19, 20 years up to this point. Been shipwrecked three times, beaten five times by the Jews because of bringing the gospel. Been beaten with rods has gone through danger after danger after danger. He didn't have a private jet. He didn't have nice clothes. He refused to even take an offering from the region of Achaia so that it would not be a hindrance to the gospel and others could not attack him and attack his motives. Today, the prosperity teacher would look at Paul and laugh at him and accuse him. Look, he can't even speak very well look at his physical appearance, look at his clothes, look at everything. It would be very similar context to the prosperity teacher today, looking down on someone that is really doing the ministry, but doesn't look like them. And I hope people can see the parallels of what Paul is going through to what it could look like today. I mean, he's so small physically, they're going to be able to put him in a basket and lower him outside of the wall. We're about to get to that. So Paul's going to boast in his weaknesses. Look at verse 30. If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. He's going to boast about his weaknesses. In Damascus, the Ethnarch under Eretus the king was guarding the city in Damascus the ethnarch under Eretus the king was guarding the city of the Damascenes in order to seize me and I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and so escaped his hands. This is the life of Paul. He's going to boast in his weaknesses. Here's a small man they had to put in a basket to get out of the city of Damascus just to save his life. This has been his whole life and his ministry since the time of his conversion. You go back to Acts chapter 9 and read his conversion and look how from the very beginning they were trying to kill him and how God has protected him through these 20 years and he may be a small man, he may not be able to speak very well, People attack him who are physically stronger, maybe can speak better and want to take authority. But his authority comes through his weaknesses. I I would say this, his authority comes from God. His credentials is in his weaknesses. His credentials to speak to the Corinthians, that he planted this church. He is the apostle that brought this about. Their whole message of salvation came from Paul. And he never took a penny from them. This is credentials that the false apostles do not have. They have a different gospel, a different spirit. They have a different path. And they should be able to see in their deeds that they do not represent Christ. Come, continue down this road with Paul and his team. And we will lead you in the ways of Christ. That doesn't boast in your physical appearance but boast in your weaknesses of what you have done for Christ. Praise God. May that be said about all of us, everyone that's listening, that we want to be used by God and we put our lives in God's hands and whatever God wants to do, whatever path he wants to lead us down, may it all be done for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will have some battle scars. And if people attack us because of that, They're coming with a different spirit. This is what Paul is trying to say. Any more thoughts that you all have? Any more questions before we close in prayer?
2: I was just thinking of the great privilege that we've had of meeting some people that have lived similar lives, been in jail, been removed from countries, been in Siberia for 25 years because of their faith, and were sheltered sometimes in the Western world from meeting some of these people, but it really challenges your heart to be pure before God and to be about his purposes and not just living for the moment and monetary gain.
0: Amen. And may God find us faithful because in Western cultures, we're starting down a road right now that it's going to cost you something because of your faith. It's going to cost you something very significant And what we feel is important about daily things that we think that is important within our lives to be a minister of the gospel. If you're going to preach God's word, you're going to live God's word, and you're going to minister the word of God to a world that is lost. That world hates you and is coming against you, and they will persecute you. Jesus promises this to us. John chapter 15, if they hated me, they will hate you. And this is a promise. He promises us trouble, persecution in the future. I don't run to persecution. I run to Christ, and as I abide in him, the persecution will come. And may God find us faithful, as Paul was faithful to the church at Corinth. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you that we could look at this chapter. I pray that we represented your words in the right way the right spirit, the right gospel. God, keep us going in the direction that you want us to go, one that glorifies you at all times, that puts the emphasis upon you. And whatever we have to go through and whatever persecution awaits us, Lord, keep our eyes upon Yeshua, upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. And we pray in his name, amen. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info@integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at integrity global missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.